Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. We have a special guest today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Please welcome Elliot Powers. Thank you, guys. Nice to see you and talk to you. So, Elliot, tell us about yourself. Well, I uh, grew up in uh, Seattle in the 90s. We were talking before Die Hard. You asked me who my favorite team was, and my answer was the Sonics. And I wasn't, I mean, I was not joking, but I think you were looking for a contemporary, <laughs> a contemporary team. Um, I just, I don't know if you guys have heard, there's a great podcast out about the Sonics, uh, seven, six, seven part episode or, you know, series and super listen. Uh, so yeah, I'm uh, super, still a big Sonics fan. When the Bulls documentary came out recently, um, the, my favorite episode was the 12 minutes where Jordan and Peyton were going head to head. And that was like the, that was the highlight for most people. The highlight was like, you know, watching Michael Jordan interact backstage for me, it was like reliving, uh, you know, Detlef Shrimp, Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, and all the terrible centers, the Sonics, the, 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 Sonics, <laughs> the Sonics threw out there. So yeah, big Sonics fan. Uh, so grew up in Seattle, live in DC now, avid basketball player myself and follow the NBA uh, very closely. And I'm extremely interested to see what the NBA is going to look like being played and what seems to look like a, a hotel ballroom. <laughs> so, so you mentioned that there were you were a Sonics fan, or uh, that the Sonics were your favorite team. What was it like being a fan at that time? And do you think that there's there should be a team in Seattle? <laughs> oh, that's a softball question. Yes, absolutely. No, that's a, <laughs> right. That's, that's a great question. Yes, yes, and yes. I mean, I think everybody. You know, I feel like when you hear anybody ask the question of like what city deserves a franchise the most, Seattle. I think is the obvious answer, you know, no offense to like Kansas city, uh, you know, <laughs> um, or, you know, or Vegas, but uh, yeah, I mean, Seattle, you know, the, I grew up in Seattle, you know, as a teenager, that's the age when you're most into sports and the Sonics were the number one team in that region. Um, you know, I guess them and the Mariners, but yeah, it was amazing. I mean, Sean Kemp, you know, I think a lot of fans these days kind of forget because it was before the YouTube era that Sean Kemp was, you know, kind of doing the, you know, kind of uh, doing what Zion's doing now before Zion was doing it. He was high flying dunker. And uh, yeah, I mean, they were an amazing team. And, um, you know, they really, in some ways, I think, you know, changed the NBA. And yeah, it's pretty unfortunate uh, going through that Sonics podcast is kind of, uh, you know, (laughs) an exercise exercise in self-hate. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, Sonics are still definitely like, you know, one of my favorite sports franchises, even though they have not been playing for 12 years now in Seattle. (laughs) So have you been a fan of the Sonics going into the 2000s with Ray Allen, Richard Lewis? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was definitely a fan. You know, I think, like, you know, the Sonics became a little less sexy once the Peyton Kemp era was over. There were a couple of years where they had, like, kind of a no-name roster. Ray Allen was great. Um, but, you know, he was, you know, it's like he wasn't, I would say, the, he was a very good technical player. Actually, one of my favorite, as far as, like, who I think is one of the best natural shooters of all time, but, you know, a Ray Allen-led team is not, you know, a team that you're, like, gaga for. You know, he's a nice second or third player on a team. Um, so, yeah, I followed them. But in the last couple of years, you know, I wasn't living in Seattle anymore in the 2000s. And quite honestly, they just, you know, they became a little boring. <laughs> and so, um, uh, Lewis, too. Lewis was a very good player. But, like, I did a sports trivia quiz recently. And, like, literally, I couldn't think of his name. So, <laughs> you know, and again, he was, a great, he was a great player. He was a great player. But, you know, um, he just, you know, he wasn't. 
Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, when you're a teenager and a huge sports fan, there's nothing that matches that. So, I think um, to play off of that, I think the big thing when you look at that older team, I think one of the bigger things that you said was that they turned into a no-name roster. I guess the question I would want to ask you, too, is like they've had this uh, – I guess you could call it brief transition. You know, they had Kevin Durant in Seattle for a while before it transitioned to the OKC Thunder. And they had a really nice run before, I would say, unfortunately, they dropped the ball over $4 million, choosing basically Serge Ibaka over James Harden. And now we've seen kind of the crumble of an era in terms of like a, a big what-if story being that trio of players. And now they're at a restart. I would say my question to you would be like, where do you feel like the state of the OKC Thunder is right now in terms of they have a lot of veteran players, but they also have a lot of young guys. Where do you think their direction best suits them based on the guys they have on the roster? Wait, I'm sorry. There's a team at Oklahoma City now? I'm, I'm unaware of that. I, the Sonics went to Oklahoma City. <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone, people always ask me, like, are you, do you root for Oklahoma City? I'm like, do you stand out with your ex-girlfriend? Like, do you, do you root for her? Like, no. Fair, fair. Yeah, um, no, you have a valid question, a valid comment. So, yeah, so Oklahoma City, um, I, I will say, I mean, all joking aside, I did sort of follow them. I mean, I have, like, somewhere, somewhere in, the, in the recesses of my closet is a Kevin Durant, a Kevin Durant Sonics t-shirt jersey. So he was there one – he was there only one year, but enough to make an impression. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, Oklahoma City – you know, I mean, like, I mean, I'll be honest, I was jealous in 2012 when they were in the finals. You know, it felt like, you know, it felt like this should, be, this should have been the Sonics and it happened too quickly, what, like four years into them moving. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, in terms of the questions about the, their personnel and where they've come, I mean, it's definitely one of the great what ifs and one of the great, you know, I don't want to know if, you know, if it's called it a travesty since they made the finals. But if you were to, you know, think about like going back to 2012 and playing out that scenario 10 times, I think Harden stays on the team five out of 10 of those times. And like, I think in eight mm. out of 10 of those times, they win the title. I mean, if that team had just stayed together, um, I think they win the title. I mean, you know, and I think they may have won multiple titles. So it's one of those franchises, you know, kind of like take a team like the Utah Jazz in the 90s. If the Utah Jazz had played in the early 2000s, I bet they would have won a title, you know, but they were, they played at the wrong time. And, you know, unfortunately that team ran up against, you know, the Miami juggernaut in their first year. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely – you know, it's definitely one of the great what ifs and probably the biggest, I mean, Harden leading that team, you know, of the early two, you know, in the kind of early to mid 2000s was probably the biggest personnel decision or move that happened. Yeah, Jalen, you had mentioned a couple episodes ago that you would take the 2012 Oklahoma State Thunder over the 2013 New York Knicks that made the, uh, that made the playoffs and went to the second round, eventually eliminated by the Pacers. But um, you, you had made a valid argument for the OKC Thunder making the uh, – over the 2012-2013 New York Knicks. Do you still stay with that argument now? Wait, is that an argument? Is there, is there an actual argument? Yes. Thank you, Power. So this is what I'm trying to say, right? Arguing, okay, so essentially – arguing for the Knicks there. You, this that, is, okay, I, I, I and, see, and, I had, and I had to call Ryan out because I told him, I'm like, I don't know if you just got some secret orange and blue going on under that T-shirt <laughs> during the podcast or what's going on. But realistically – okay, so Ryan's point was mainly um, focusing on the defensive end for the Knicks that year, being like – I think they were top three in nearly every defensive – category that year but essentially what I was saying in terms of who wins a title quick a quicker yes the West still was what it was but in terms of that year specifically I mean we can look at it as that series I would say that series against the Heat they turned Serge Ibaka into a stretch four out of nowhere then it started to become his game which is like 
really weird now because Sergi Blocka is no longer a thing. The dude, like, maybe creeps up on a block or two a game now. And then you throw on top of that James Harden. If you think about him as a as a lead second unit guy, that year you can essentially look at him as, like, choking in terms of how he produced. So my thought process was you look back at that team and you just stick to your guns. You play the way you were – you know, you play the entire time. Because I feel like essentially what ended up happening was they tried to out-firepower the Miami Heat, and no matter how their roster was constructed, they were not built for that. And I feel as though if they had stayed true to themselves, they were already in the finals. All you're telling me now is they just have to win it? I felt like it was like an easy road, but I don't know. Ryan and Jim Dolan must have some secret (laughs) handshake thing going on on the low. I'm not sure. Maybe some free tickets on the side. I mean, like, my argument was that the Knicks have a better roster than the Oklahoma State Thunder. I'm not trusting a 22-year-old Kevin Durant to go far in the postseason and take down LeBron James, of all people. Uh, same thing with Russell Westbrook, same thing with James Harden, same thing with Serge Ibaka. The average age of those four players combined is 22 and a half, and they have four players over 30, one of them being uh, Kendra Perkins, who's was a decent center at the time, and then Derek Fisher, who's definitely way past his prime. Uh <laughs> And then Nick Collison, who was a decent contributor off the bench. I didn't see any promise in that team. Considering the New York Knicks in 2012-2013 may have been their best season of that decade, I would think I have to take them over a young Oklahoma State Thunder team. And I would definitely have – I would take Harden, Durant, and Westbrook if they were all MVPs on the same team. But they all weren't MVPs on this team. Kevin Durant would become an MVP the next season. James Harden would eventually become – uh, the MVP on uh, in a different season with a different team. And then Russell Westbrook became MVP after Harden and Durant left. I can't, I, I honestly can't tell if you're trolling me right now or if you're actually, <laughs> it doesn't seem like you are. Like you're, you did that with a straight phase. I can see, okay, I, I, I'm not going to actually engage you in the who is a better team because this, I mean, one team made the finals, the other team didn't. But That's all I'm will, saying. And, and <laughs> I will also, I will also grant you that Oklahoma City, yeah, like none of the players, were at the peak of their career at that 2012. How, however, <laughs> so I, I but, like, but okay, so I will grant you that like, maybe you can make the argument that if you had to choose one player from both of those teams to like lead an expansion roster, maybe you choose Mello over any of the big three on OKC. But I, I yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I honestly can't remember three of the starting five for the new year for the Knicks in that season. <laughs> so maybe that's more on me, but yeah, I don't, Let's. If you're, I thought you were going to argue about like OKC versus like Miami, who was a better team? Because again, I think you know they could have won that series. You know, if you played that ten times, I think they might have won that series five or six times. We were arguing on the the uh, on our episode with the teams with the highest waste potential, and we threw those two teams in along with the 2004 Lakers with Gary Payton and Carl Malone. We definitely thought that the Lakers really had no chance of even like sticking together as a team. They were like a hundred. Um, yeah, and then. Um, <laughs> with the New York Knicks and the uh, Oklahoma State Thunder. I thought we made, we made a good argument for both of our teams. I still have to stick with the Knicks. I don't have a Knicks jersey yet, but I will get my uh, – I will get a Patrick Ewing jersey soon. His loyalties are already trying to No, it's okay. He's smart. He's angling for a job on New York. On like New, York, <laughs> New, York, New, York New York sports radio. I think, I, I, think, I think just develop some thick skin and you're trying out for your for your, for your New York, you know, Knicks uh, radio station. I like that. <laughs> You're on your way. So we talked about how Oklahoma City was one of the dark horse teams going into this resume season. I think um, 
the Thunder as long as as well as the Miami Heat, ironically, as we were talking about them earlier. I definitely think they're the dark horses to win or maybe sneak into the sneak into the finals or even the Eastern or Western Conference finals. How do you think both of those teams will do in this resume season? Uh, boy, you're full of hot takes today. Miami and Oklahoma City. Okay. <laughs> Last I checked, Oklahoma City was 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 Chris Paul and Shea Gilders Alexander and a few other people, right? <laughs> yep. Um I well, okay. So I will say I think younger teams well, actually, see, I don't know. I, I'm actually – can I throw the question back to you? I mean, what do you think <laughs> – this is a good deflection while I think about this. I mean, how do you think – do you think Do you think the, the, uh, this resume season benefits? Like, like, is your mindset that it benefits the teams that are, you know, like the L.A., Milwaukee, the proven teams, or the teams that needed a restart that are younger, that can, like, quickly reload? I mean, to me, the argument – I guess if you're making the argument about, like, Miami. Miami's a pretty young team, right, as far as I – like, you know, that's my assessment. Um they seem like a team that, you know, I guess, yeah, young and, you know, fast, you know, fast paced, maybe can reload quickly. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, OKC, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe I'm just thinking like I had pegged them as a non-playoff team at the beginning of the year. So maybe I'm still sort of in that mindset that like they're in a rebuild with, you know, with Chris Paul in a one year, you know, in like a, in kind of a floater year, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, I guess I'll take that one. I mean, in terms of both teams, I could see um, why Ryan picked those two teams in terms of leaning in because those were the ones that um, even when we had started um, the podcast a couple episodes back or whatever, we looked at those teams and the big thing that we looked at was depth. And I mean, I think that this applies a little bit more into the uh, to the Heat than OKC, I believe, just because I feel that the Heat have an established identity that um, – OKC, although they also overachieved this season, I feel like there's a lot of guys that still are wishy-washy in terms of what their futures are past this year. CP3 has been on the trading block even during Corona. Like, (laughs) Steven Adams is a guy who is um, a solid big man and ironically is like 26, 27 years old. Like, I know he looks like Aquaman, but he is not that old. Like, he's been around forever. I know. That's the – I would have got 32. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. And I had to look into that Uh the other day because the thing is, he's been a serviceable big man for a while, but he didn't even get on the team until after James Harden was gone. That's how, like, recent, basically, he's kind of, like, came into his own. So this is a team that still kind of has a lot of pieces that are figuring themselves out. In terms of the heat, um – I said I've said this in the past about um, Jimmy Butler before that I feel like as a leader, he is the type of guy that although he can be a bit of a knucklehead and it kind of always trans uh, transfers into some type of like tabloid headline with him in terms of whatever it is. I mean, even this past like week or two, he got in trouble with the bubble for working out too loud. Like he's just that kind of guy. But I feel like his ability to transfer his mentality to his team has rubbed off on guys like Bam Adebayo, who had an all-star season this year. I feel like similar to uh, Jason Tatum, I feel like he kind of has his like his court, his real court legs now. Like after getting that all-star game, we saw Jason, uh, Jason Tatum like go off for 30 a couple of times <laughs> right after coming off the break. And I feel like Bam Adebayo has similar potential, maybe not to score at that high of a clip, but he's an all-around, you know, four or five that really can do a lot for that team. And I feel like guys like Tyler Hero, who has crazy swag in terms of just stepping on the court and playing the way he is. Duncan Robinson, who is shooting crazy clip from behind the arc in terms of being able to like stretch the floor for them. I feel like that team has the type of mentality to hang with all those other teams. And it's proven when they played against LA, they gave Milwaukee a really hard time when it came to Giannis putting guys, putting bodies on him. 
I just feel like out of those two teams, I would lean with the Heat being more of that like sneaky team. But I guess you can also cater it to like it's the East and everything past like the fifth seed looking a little dicey. Yeah, I have to agree because I think the Heat are definitely a proven team considering they picked up Jimmy Butler in the offseason. Originally, I didn't think this team was going to make the playoffs, and I I definitely thought Oklahoma State wasn't going to make the playoffs. I said at best they were going to be a 13 seed in the in the Western Conference. Yeah, I thought get, they were going to trade everybody. Yeah. They were talking I, like it. I was convinced that they were going to trade, trade a Chris Paul dur- a, during the season, maybe for younger stars, but I was wrong. And, I mean, they're a fifth seed in the West right now. Um I think with the Miami Heat, what's going to be interesting about them is how consistent Jimmy Butler is during the playoffs. Um, Sometimes he can put up 30 points, like I said. And like I said in the previous episode, he can put up like 30 points and go 10 of 16 shooting. And then he can put up like eight points and go like four of 15 from the field. So I think it's about consistency for him. I think for Oklahoma City, it's just about developing the young players like Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Dennis Schroeder. I think definitely those guys are – are proven commodities in this league. And then Danilo Gallinari, who's been around for such a long time. And a name. And a, definitely a guy who can help you really get the ball moving offensively as well, just shooting-wise. I have to agree with Jalen leaning toward the Miami Heat, though, considering they've given teams like the Lakers and the Bucks. I think they've given both teams a run for their money and, and definitely can be a force to be reckoned with going forward. Yeah, I mean, to me, like one, I just think one of the – I mean, your case about – Miami being deep, I think I, I, you know, you always forget in this, <laughs> in the way that the, you know, the league starting back up, that depth is going to be more, I mean, in the playoffs, depth means usually seven players. Maybe if you have an eighth or ninth player, great. But like, you know, you don't go much deeper than that. But yeah, I mean, I feel like teams, especially teams like the Lakers who, you know, the Lakers, I think the biggest case against the Lakers right now, just, you know, other than just like LeBron being, you know, not 25 years old and, you know, <laughs> you, know you know, having to kind of like, get back from like zero to zero to, you know, 60 miles, you know, in like a few weeks is just that they're, you know, they've had, you know, I think several players, right. Who have had to drop out or, you know, injuries or this and that. And so the continuity and lack of depth, you know um, yeah. Is that, you know, it, it, like, is that a problem? So, yeah, I mean, like I, I can see your case for Miami, um, you know, the you're kind of breaking your, breaking the like NBA uh, the NBA kind of rule of, of late, which is that you have to have at least, you know, two or sometimes even three stars, to you know, to win a title, you can you know make a nice run with one or two with one star or two stars. You know, I mean, there's not really a second star that you named on on Miami, and certainly not Oklahoma City. You know, they have some nice pieces, but I don't even know if you would say, you know, uh, Chris Paul is is at this point of his career a superstar. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly those kind of teams could, um, yeah, could, you know, and teams that have something to play for too. I'm curious, you know, sometimes in the NBA, you know, getting rest and you know it's great. And these days, you know, several teams now who are fighting for the eighth spot or in the fifth or sixth or seventh spot, I can see them really being in high gear right away and then kind of never relenting. So that could be, that could be something that we to, to look out for. You know, like I wonder if the Lakers after and the Bucks after months off and then, you know, the first couple games they're playing basically being glorified exhibition games, you know, I wonder if they're just, you know, if they can really turn on the switch so quickly. Yeah. And we've seen teams win a championship without like a true star. I definitely look at the 2004 Detroit Pistons as a team sure. who won a championship with no star. That um, was a very different league, though. I mean, that yeah, that was that might have been one of the weaker <laughs> weaker points in the NBA history. But yeah, sure. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that definitely. They they definitely ha- are a team that I look for, look at when I look at um, teams that win championships or go to the finals without a true co-star or with a, a co-star or a true star. 
I have to ask, though, for Jalen, the Wizards have a chance to really take the eight seed. And I think I think Elliot I think Elliot Sorry, you lost me you lost me at Wizards. <laughs> and I think Elliot, if you want to bounce off the question as well, um, please. <laughs> the Wizards have a chance to take the eight seed. Okay. Um, I'm do shocked. They? That, yes. <laughs> Shockingly, yes, they do. Okay. Um, what are the chances? Do you think that'll happen? So uh, let let me let me just put it in perspective. Um, I've said this a couple of times, and I feel like. For Wizards fans, they truly need to drill it into their heads that this postseason literally does not mean anything for this franchise at all. And I, the reason why, why, why I say that is because um, we have to look at the guys that we're putting out in the court. The only thing that we're being that we're able to like hang our hats on is saying, "Oh, they'll get playoff experience," or "Oh, they're getting regular season experience in terms of having something to play for." Guys like Rui Hachimura, Troy Brown Jr., guys like that, and I completely understand that. But the big thing that needs to be understood in terms of the future of the franchise is whether we get in the playoffs or not, we're locked into the nice, um, we're locked in at nine in terms of our draft position. That means in a draft like the one that's coming up where evaluators have basically literally ripped their hair out trying to figure out who is going to be, you know, first overall, considering it's not really a deep draft and everybody is kind of on a relatively similar level that we're talking about guys that just decided they want to go to the G league internship program and they would put them in the top five of this draft right now. Like that's how unfortunately weak this class is. So being down at nine is a disadvantage making it to the playoffs. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but me personally looking at it, getting smacked around by Milwaukee for a couple of days is not playoff experience. That's just you finding a home under somebody's foot. That's pretty much it. And then in terms of missing the playoffs, I mean, what, like I said before, in terms of us being locked in our spot, what does it do for us? I think the big thing looking at all of this in terms of them making it or not, I'm going to say no. If you want my definitive answer, we don't have Bertons who, um, if you know basketball, he is, one of the best shooters in the league as of right now. It's been kind of misconstrued that guys like Duncan Robinson, who shot kind of crazy lights out, J.J. Reddick's had a semi-slight year, but guys like that are the the pure shooters. Bertons went under the radar and was one of, in the top percentile in terms of both that and scoring in transition this year. He's not playing. He's not playing in this bubble because he wants to get paid this. I guess off season. Normally we'd say summer, but hey, is are we already here for that? Um, Beal has already pretty much stepped out in terms of saying that he's not coming. John Wall was already kind of not on the table, I would say, in terms of his involvement to begin with coming off of the injury, forcing it didn't really seem like a good idea as it is. And even if those two guys were coming back, I still wouldn't feel crazy confident about it just out of the fact that this team has had a hard time playing defense all year all year and I mean John Ball is a defensive anchor but coming off of an injury I don't see him changing life for anybody and if they cannot play defense you know they're they're left trying to outscore teams and with these eight games that's going to be pretty for like the first couple of days where everybody's shooting breaks but after a while when everybody's truly engaged trying to lock up a position in the playoffs they're going to get dusted easily so I mean as far as I'm concerned as a Wizards fan I would say let's just take the L like we're getting the nice spot we're in, in the draft regardless. I say we just take the L and just see how things go in terms of signing free agents. Yeah, I don't have any I get what he said plus yeah, I, mean, I will also add I so I think the more interesting conversation, if you don't mind me redirecting slightly, is whether or not this time next year Bradley Beale is gonna be 
a wizard, a Laker, or on the Brooklyn, or on the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Sorry, is that did I did I did I break the third uh, the third wall here? <laughs> the it un- might have been a nerve <laughs> struck, just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a it's a decent question. But anyway, we don't we don't have to go there if you don't want to go there. But uh. I mean, sure, why why not? Let's go there. Um, I mean, so, I mean, look, the Nets the Nets are pretty much out of it in my book. Um, no Spencer Day. No, no spent. Well, I'm, t- I'm talking about for the. Bubble. Oh, oh, you mean out of the. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. So I think they definitely can get a uh, Bradley Beal just because they can have a uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant healthy for next season. As far as this season goes, it's pretty much over for the Nets. Um, I mentioned about a year ago that at the trade deadline, the Lakers ship uh, traded for Bradley Beal because they needed an extra shooter and they didn't have enough shooters at the time last year. Um, still don't. They still don't. And um, I definitely think that. <laughs> Uh, he could definitely be a good fit on the Lakers. For the Wizards, though, I think he's. I, I think his time's pretty much up as being the Wizards star. Um, he needs to go be a co-star somewhere else, or maybe even a star. Um, Brooklyn seems like a good fit for him. I definitely think the Lakers also could work, but I don't know. I think I definitely don't think Beal is going to stay in Washington. Listen, I mean, I, I, I mean, Wall and Beal had the opportunity on several occasions, I believe I have my timeline right, to recruit KD back to his home city and we're unable to do it. And unfortunately, I think that may have been the only chance the Wizards keeping this unit together, you know, and going anywhere past the second round. And I think, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't want to break your heart, but I think that, I think think the ceiling for this current Wizards team with this general roster is first round of the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, I mean, I think around 2015, 2016 was really the cap. I mean, us being able to stick uh, neck to neck with with the Celtics a couple years yeah. ago was probably our best I, shot, unfortunately. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of keeping Beal, now th- this is what it really comes down to, especially with him signing. I mean, he 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 finessed it in terms of the way he did his deal, where it's pretty much only a two year extension. He did not overcommit, and he set himself up where even if he wants to hang with his boy John Wall afterwards, they both are up at the same time. Talk about being very strategic about you know how the exit route is if that is the plan I would say the biggest thing when it comes to Beal right in terms of whether he is to stay or go when it's his turn to make a decision if the Wizards do not make it for him I would say I would think that the main thing that it comes down to him in terms of the the franchise that he chooses is based on his ability to win um I think that with the the Wizards again, you said that about them capping out at a certain level because, you know, in terms of fleshing out their roster, I can't speak on a lot of guys that I feel like are truly promising down the line. So the Lakers are a good one, but I genuinely do not feel like they have the pieces to trade that anybody would want to make the exchange for. Um, I think the Nets have the pieces in terms of guys like Karis LeVert on their team and Spencer Dinwiddie, who's still on the squad, who I feel like if the Wizards wanted to kind of make a quick rebound to kind of get back in the mix a little bit, that would be something worth looking into. If if, if I have to be realistic, I think it's going to be on Beal's shoulders. So where he picks is up to him. But, I mean, fingers crossed. I'm going to leave it at that. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I don't think Beal has a chance. Like I said, I don't think Beal has a chance of staying in Washington. And the best years, or the best year that they had of winning, I would say, was either 2015, 2016, or 2016, 2017, um, because they went to that seven game stretch with the Celtics and didn't do fairly well in game seven, even though they have a phenomenal game six in that series. Definitely. Um, 
But yeah, I don't, I don't think the Wizards. I think the Wizards definitely have to rebuild after this. Looking like the wave, man. It's looking like the wave. So there's a lot of teams right now capable of reaching the finals. Um, unlike the Wizards, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> sorry to hurt your feelings, there, Jalen. But um, <laughs> no, hey, hey, either the Wizards or the Wolves. <laughs> hey, I'll take the um, Wizards on that one. Elia, who do you have as your finals matchup, and who wins? I think I had. I think I'm going with the Clippers in Milwaukee. I think the Clippers. I I am learning. I am learning to net to, to sort of the default is trust Kawhi. You know, mm. um, he. You never hear anything about him. Uh, he's has a. I mean, you know, not. I mean, sorry. You, you, like net, like never hear anything. You know, people sort of forget about him during you know, uh, during the early playoffs. Doesn't make a lot of draw. I guess he had the one year of drama in San Antonio, but he just kind of sails underneath. You know, underneath the radar. Um, yeah, I mean. I think, you know, with um, last I checked, I mean, PG is back healthy-ish, right? He's, he's back and, you know, he made, a, he made the trip, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I think those two, I, again, you know, they're, they've, how many games have they actually played together during the year? I kind of on one hand, right? But not a lot. But, yeah. Um, so that's a big question. But, you know, the Clippers also have a pretty good supporting cast, at least starting five. Um, yeah, I like the Clippers. And, yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard to – unless something kind of <laughs> – I was going to say freaky, but then that, that that's actually a play on word that Ed meant to uh, uh, do for, for for the Greek freak. But unless something freaky happens you know, with the Bucks, I just think they're the best team. Toronto Toronto's is still interesting to me because they have the pedigree, you know, and I think they got some players who, you know, um, have a lot of a lot of heart and like, you know, they have the, you know, the, the you know, championship uh, from last year. But yeah, I just I think Milwaukee and I if I, you know, I would be surprised if it's not one of the LA teams. I, I would. I don't think Houston. You know, I just am very skeptical of Houston still. And then the other teams, other than that, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sold on them. What do you guys think? I agree 100% with your take because I have that exact same matchup with the Clippers winning. But I must call out Jalen because Jalen thinks that the Boston Celtics are going to the finals. Okay. 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 Relax. Relax, Ryan. Hold on. You just had a five-minute defense of the Knicks being better. Yeah, I was like, relax, my guy. Hold on. Hold on a second. Let let him make his point. (laughs) Hold on. So okay. So a lot. This this is this is the way that I view um the matchup. First of all, instead of the Bucks, I have Boston, as I said before. But I do still have the Clippers in terms of making the finals from the West. I feel like in terms of any series that goes down between them and the Lakers, it's really just going to come down to guard play. And unfortunately I feel like the Lakers are just outclassed. They can sign Dion waiters all they want to. They can bring Henny God, J.R. Smith back if they want to. Um, They can maybe still, you know, have Rondo run some once he comes back from injury. I just feel like they're way too weak in that backcourt and LeBron James can he can play point guard for 48 minutes if he wants to, but he can't match up with a point guard for 48 minutes. And I just feel like where the Clippers stand in terms of that backcourt, guys like Landry Shamet, guys like Lou Williams, um, who I, according to Doc Rivers, it seems like he's definitely going to be playing. Um, Patrick Beverly, of course. These are guys that are going to give, I feel like, the Lakers backcourt a rough time. Now, transitioning to, like, the Boston side of the take or whatever, I just feel like in terms of deep teams, I've been pretty consistent about my take in terms of who wins the championship being um, based off the extension of the roster past the initial five guys. And of course, like Boston is one of those teams similar to the Clippers all year that it's been Gordon Hayward, Kimball Walker, Jalen Brown, 
Jason Tatum, and then insert center here pretty much. But they've had guys like Marcus Smart on the bench that is, you know, an all-defensive caliber player in terms of that. I mean, Daniel Tice, again, kind of in the insert center here stage. Basically, the way I feel about Boston is that they have a deep enough roster where, yes, I feel like in normal circumstances, speaking on how deep a roster is typically would not matter. You're expecting the guy, the main five to six guys to play 40-plus minutes and occupy the court a lot. But it's been a lot of downtime. It's been a lot of non-basketball played and a lot of guys who have pretty much made it clear that they have not picked up a basketball in three months. I feel like the combination of youth plus the amount of guys that they have that can truly play and not just one side of the ball either is what's really going to make that team stand out. Milwaukee has questions with Eric Bledsoe, I feel like, because last year kind of choked a little bit. (laughs) Chris Middleton is avidly let him know that basically he has not touched the ball since (laughs) quarantine started. And he's been one of the most efficient shooters all year. But the question is, come playoff time, can he be that second star for them? I feel like Boston has so many options that that's going to be what stands out, is they have a second, third, fourth guy who will really be able to break out for them. Here's here's one of my here's one of my counters to that, and not 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 specifically on the terms that you say we're talking about, but mm-hmm. I think Boston's one of those teams. And this is speak. This is a I'm praising about about the praise of their fans that mm-hmm. really 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 when they're playing well, really like plays off of, of a rabid fan base. Mm-hmm. And weird. I think I think in some ways that they're actually going to be hurt more by I think you know with this. I mean I've been watching clips of you know, of scrimmages that it's like, it's a ghost town. It's like playing in your local rec center. So I think players who feed off of, you know, I mean, like if the Warriors were still (laughs) the Warriors, (laughs) for instance, Draymond, I could see Draymond being flat during this entire thing. Um, You know, the Warriors are one of these teams that, you know, that just played off of crazy fans and threes and momentum swings. Another reason why I think the Clippers, so I think, you know, the Celtics, I'm not saying that, you know, they can't be good without their fans, but I think they're going to be hurt by it. Whereas, you know, the Clippers, let's be honest, you know, they're fans. Kind of used to it. Half Lakers fans and half <laughs> fans of the other teams. And, you know, and Kawhi is one of these guys where, like, I think Kawhi could be playing in a, you know, in a fifth grade gym and he'd be happy. I mean, like, honestly, he just, he sort of, you know, just goes about his business. And, you know, I have not even, it's unclear sometimes if he's like aware that there's people watching him. Um, so, I don't know. It seems, that to me is another reason why. I think this could be good for, you know, the Clippers are, you know, they're healthier than they would have been a couple months ago. And, you know, they, they just strike me as a team that is going to, you know, is not going to lose much by playing at a sterile gym in Orlando. Definitely. I really think that the biggest thing goes down to what your initial point was. They have not pe- played on the same court at the same time very often. I feel like that ability to mesh is going to be really their biggest question. Um, I mean, when it comes to Boston in terms of, you know, the fan play and things like that in terms of having, you know, those momentum swings and ability to play off the crowd, I do think that that plays off of their youth. And I think that is an important thing to talk about in terms of their ability to make a run. I mean, I think the biggest thing is going to lean on who that other guy is going to be in terms of, you know, I feel like we can assume it's going to be Jason Tatum that's leading. I feel like we can assume that maybe Kimball Walker will step up. Um, But the biggest thing will kind of be who that second and third guy end up being in, on a consistent basis. Um, them being young, like you said, and playing off the crowd will be huge. I I don't know. I just, I like them though. I like, I mean, I like that. The, I, I feel like the quarantine doesn't hurt them as much. I feel like they have the most 
uh, consistency in terms of their roster. This is the first year really in the last three years, especially with Tatum being on the roster that they've been complete. I mean, the last couple of years, it's always been, you know, either Gordon Hayward wasn't on the court or uh, Kyrie Irving when he was there wasn't on the floor. And it always seemed like there was this excuse for how is their team going to mesh when they're all together? Well, I mean, we've had a hiatus, but we've also seen them at full strength. The Clippers are still a question mark. And that's kind of the main thing I'm leading on. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough swing, but it's one I'm, I guess I'm willing to take. We have, I should have pointed out that we have not even talked about Philly. Is that for, for, is that for a reason? Uh, <laughs> are, you guys, are you guys as like Wizards fans just not going to even mention their existence? <laughs> I mean, I think that comes down to whether or not Ben Simmons is really sticking to um, this, this post-quarantine three-point shooting thing he keeps talking about. He said it before the season started. He shot one. We never saw him put one up again. <laughs> and now he's in scrimmages and in practices right now putting up threes from – half court casually I think his his ability to or not to be able to stretch the floor is gonna matter these guards in this league now they have to be able to shoot the three I mean I know that I saw this thing on Instagram earlier in terms of a player comparison it was actually the comparison between Ben Simmons and Rajon Rondo which I found very like interesting because of the fact that if you look at everything outside of their size they are relatively similar players in terms of their ability to shoot and convert from like the free throw line so if essentially all you're telling me is that Ben Simmons is a glorified Rajon Rondo playoff Rondo is a beast but I wouldn't say that Rondo and Ben Simmons have the same mentality so then it comes down to the question of okay Ben what do you have else to bring to the table and I really don't see he's the difference maker to me and I don't see anything in his game that makes me put them over the top I have to say that this may be Brett Brown's final season coaching this Philadelphia oh, 76ers. Man. Ryan's been trying to sacrifice Brett Brown for like months. That's, that's the least controversial take. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have to, I just feel like Brett Brown's pretty much done it, because he's been there for. Yeah. I feel like the best comp to that situation is Mark Jackson in like 2013 or whatever that was where they just, they did pretty well. I mean, but you know, with a change, I mean, if they could get an elite coach, and maybe one other player. I think that team is could be a, on a you know could be the next. I was thinking of like Rick Carlisle from 2002 Detroit because I mean he he was pretty much there to build that team mm-hmm. in Detroit for Larry Brown to take over. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the equivalent that I would think. Want to hear my hot my hot take on who's taking the job? This is yes. based on absolutely nothing, but I'm, just, <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna go wild wild speculation here. You're you're, you're probably not gonna guess. I'm going to the college ranks. Shashevsky taking that job really what? wow he secretly, oh, man. he secretly wants the nba uh he's tired of losing one one and done players he's a few years from retirement there's he's he's worried that some of these minor scandals are going to eventually turn into a major scandal he wants out he wants one shot at it <laughs> how do you think I- that may have heard that, it here first, folks. That may have been that may have been the hottest take we've ever Just, had on this show. <laughs> you know, we're gonna, I think we should re-record this this last this my line fifteen times with fifteen different coaches, and then one of them will be right. And we'll, we'll, we'll edit it. We'll, we'll edit it in one that ended up being right. <laughs> oh All my right. goodness! La- last question for Elia, and then we'll throw it to our question of the day for our fans. Um, we recently did a Jersey Wishlist episode. Ooh. I have to ask you. What is one jersey that you wish you had, and whose jersey would it be? 
So, okay, so just to make sure I understand, are you talking about the actual player's jersey, like the player who wore it, or am I just buying a jersey from, like, Foot Locker? So player and design, player and design, since there's different alternates, yeah. So the the actual player's jersey. The The actual player's jersey from the actual year he played. That's a really good question. Okay. Um, Boy, I wish I had prepped for this, but but this is good. This is good. (laughs) You didn't didn't give me – so, okay, I mean, like, the boring answer would be what I just said at the beginning of the podcast, like a Sean Cap 96 jersey, except for actually I hate – I would go with like 93 because actually i did not looking back at it the cartoony sonics jersey is not great um, <laughs> i let's see who else would i take who else would i want to take um trying to think how old school or, or how old school to go here i actually think i might because you asked me my the real answer to my my favorite my my question of uh, who my favorite current player is was clay thompson so i think i'm gonna go clay thompson uh uh home city the black and yellow is that black and yellow right the ones yeah. the, like the black ones with the kind of okay yes. with that? play thompson yeah. but i want it i want it from the game where he hit like eight threes in a quarter or whatever that game was. <laughs> that's the game with minimal dribbles that's that's, <laughs> that's why he's my hero because if you watch me play basketball i think i take more shots than dribbles at least that's my, <laughs> my you know it's a bad you know it's a bad thing if i'm playing point guard for your pickup team but if i'm just standing in the corner <laughs> If I'm standing in the corner and I don't have to dribble, then it's like I'm I'm in heaven. Zone defense, like bring it bring it on. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm going Clay Thompson. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, our question of the day for our fans. I have to throw it back to Seattle though. If a team were to come to Seattle, which player would you start it with? Kevin Durant, Ooh. James Harden, or Russell Westbrook? Like question, that question. Question of the day. Leave it. Leave your answer in the comments section, and of course, when you rate our podcast, give it five stars. This has been an amazing episode today. Elia, where can our fans find you on social media? Social media at the very exciting, uh, at Elia Powers, you never would guess by my name. Uh, And, uh, you know, hey, or you can go to www.eliapowers.com website, throw it out there, get some, double my my normal visitors probably with with your audience. But uh, yeah, Twitter, unfortunately, I'm too old to be on, you know, Snapchat, Instagram, or TikTok. So that's the only place (laughs) you can really find me. Other than Facebook, where your listeners probably don't even know what Facebook is, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll stick with Twitter. Twitter is where my professional commentary goes. All right, all right. This was a great episode today. Thank you, Elliot Powers, for coming and talking to us here on the Hoot Talk Podcast. It was fun. Thank you. We'll see you guys next episode. Hoot Talk.